Welcome to all those joining us for Chaye Moharan. It's been a while from before Rosh Hashanah, I believe, since we've had the Shurim, and we're starting a new season now, Baruch Hashem, after Sukkot. And tonight, actually today, the 28th of Tishrei, we dedicate the Shir Lilo Nishmas Reb Baruch Bereb Hershel Alevi, whose yard site is today, and also Lilo Nishmas Horav Moshe Bereb David, Reb Moshe Burstein Zechon one of the elders of the previous generation of Breslov Hasidim, who passed away about 10, 11 years ago at the age of 98 years old, Baruch Hashem. We were privileged to know him for about 50 years, from when I first met Rav Rosenfeld, Zechron and he was an extraordinary person, incredible humility, originally came from a family of Hasidic Gur and became a Kurov to Breslov in Poland, and as a result of that, realized how important it is to go to Eretz Yisrael, and was Zerchet to pick up with his wife and a, a baby, I believe, that was less than one year old, and leave Poland and escape the, the Holocaust. He said, unfortunately, all the other members of his class died in the Holocaust, and he was Zerchet to be saved because he followed Rabbi Nezal's advice of coming to Eretz Yisrael. And here in Eretz Yisrael, he raised the family, Baruch Hashem, and passed, when he passed away, I believe there were over a thousand descendants, children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and great-great-grandchildren, mostly in Eretz Yisrael, and in, in England, some in other places in the world, Baruch Hashem, we dedicate the learning also and and for a complete refuah shalema for all those that need it, including Chaviva Chana Bas Galia, Idis Bas Miriam Brindel, Rus Alexandra Esther Chaya Bas Luna Patricia, Mazel Bas Zahava, Shira Dvoira Bas Miriam, Avigail Brocha Bas Shira Dvoira, Soraleya Bas Chavaliba, Eitan Yoel Ben Edna, Tuviet Tzvi Ben Chaya Liza, Shimon Eliezer Ben Rochel, Shlom Anissim Ben Mazel, Avram Dove Ben Chana, Hindachasa Bas Chana, Besoich Shar Chol Yisrael. We're up to paragraph 206 in Chaim Aran, and here we're still in the part speaking about when Rabbeinazal was in Uman, the last months of his life. And Rabbeinazal writes that regarding the topic of Melitza, Melitza means the ability to speak eloquently, to be able to speak in a way that affects people, that reaches people's hearts. Rabbeinazal said that when a person passes away, they immediately become a melitz. As, as the Pasuk says, Im yesh olav malach melitz echod. The Gemara in Shabbos, page 32, the Gemara quotes this Pasuk and speaks about the fact that when a person passes away, all the mitzvahs that they did during their lifetime created positive angels, angels that will defend that person before the heavenly court all the sins that the person committed create angels that will prosecute the person before the heavenly court. So here Rabbi Nezal said that when a person passes away he becomes a melitz. And, and Rabbi Nezal said that this concept of melitz refers to the ability to a, a power of speech. And he said that when a person wants to be able to defend someone else, he has to be able to present that person's case with eloquence in a certain kind of way. Because sometimes, if a person will simply state the facts, this and this happened, this person did this and this, nobody will become inspired or affected by it. But if somebody says it a certain way, they know how to present it the right way, the one hearing it says, wow, I had no idea. Wow, of course, of course I'll help that person. And Rabbi Nezal said, this is why 
a defender is referred to as a melitz because in order to defend someone, a lawyer who wants to defend someone has to know how to present their words with eloquence, with, with feeling, and, and in a way that it'll be able to reach the heart of the one you're trying to reach. To the point where the Gemara says that you can have a situation where you can have 999 prosecuting angels and one defending angel, and the one defending angel can defeat the 999 prosecuting. Because this, this, the, the Dibor, the speech and Melitza, Rabbi Nezal said, is very, very powerful. And he gave an example that let's say a person passes away and someone mentions to a friend, this person died, the person will hear it, they won't cry necessarily or anything like that. But if the person will present it, will say it in a certain manner, like sometimes it's said at a hespit, at a eulogy, the whole room can be, can be crying in hearing about the death of this person. And then Rabbeinazal went on to say, however, unfortunately, there are melitzen, there are people who speak very eloquently and very fine, and yet they're poishin, they're super sinners. As the Pasuk says in Yeshaya Novi, O melitzecho poshubi, your, your fine speakers sinned against me. And, and poipshia means a person committing sin spitefully. And, and unfortunately, Rav Nosanzal says, as we find nowadays, he was referring even during his time, that there were people, not religious people, unfortunately, who were major apikursim, who didn't believe in Hashem, didn't believe in the Torah, and, and yet, unfortunately, some of them were Jewish, and they were able to speak eloquently. These were the founders of the Reform Movement and other movements that unfortunately went against the Torah. Any questions? We mentioned that during the months that Rabbi Nezal was in Uman, he spent some of the time from when he first arrived, the 5th of Eor, till immediately after Shavuos, which is about the 7th of Sivan. <coughs> about a month he spent in the home of Reb Nachman Nossen, Rappaport, who had died prior to that and who was known again as a major apikoiris, a maskil. And Rabbi Nezal spent time, and when Rab, it seems it was a large house, and there were other people living there at the time that Rabbi Nezal was there. And Rabbi Nezal commented, he spoke up and he said, in my whole life, I never lived in an apartment sharing an apartment with anybody else. And now, I'm a neighbor, I'm a shochen. So Rabbi Nezal said, since I'm a shochen, it would seem proper that my sickness should go away. And he quoted a Pasuk in Yeshaya, chapter 33, at the end, where the Pasuk says, Uval yoimer shochen cholisi. And the neighbor will not say, I got sick, because ha'om ha'yoshebo nesuyovain. The nation that's living there is free from sin. We know the Gemara says that very often sicknesses come as a result of Averis, sins. So here the Pasuk says, and, and there's Rashi on this, and the Mitzudas David, Rashi says that this refers to the neighbors of Klal Yisrael, the other nations that neighbor Klal Yisrael, and, and if any of them would want to say that the reasons for their sickness or suffering is because of us, they, they won't be able to say that because the nation, Klal Yisrael, who are living in Yerushalayim, they are completely forgiven of sin. This is what Rashi says. The Metsudas David points out that, not, not necessarily referring to other nations even, that the Jews that live in Yerushalayim will not say, I'm sick as the result of all kinds of suffering and everything, because the people living there 
are free from are, are free from sin and will not be ill at all. So here the Pasik uses the term shochen, neighbor, a neighbor, and it says not being sick. So Rabbeinus, I'll use this Pasik to say that interesting, throughout my whole life, I was never, I never had a neighbor living in the same apartment as me. And now I'm living Bishchenus, it would seem appropriate that I shouldn't be sick. And then, later on, that year, Rosh Hashanah, when Rabbein Azal, uh, uh, shortly afterwards, three months later on Rosh Hashanah, when Rabbein Azal gave the final shear of his life, he quoted this Pasuk, and he spoke elaborately about this concept, about when a new neighbor comes to join a community, it multiplies the batim, the holiness that's generated by that community, by that community, by that shul, and Rav Nosanzal says, if you have, if you're intelligent, you'll understand a little bit how every word that came out of Rav Nosanzal's mouth had tremendous significance. Here he made what seemed to be a cute comment about the fact because he had been sick for three years with tuberculosis, he was suffering terribly. And now, this was shortly before he passed away, a few months before he passed away, and he comes into this house and suddenly he finds himself living, sharing a house with other people. And Rabbi Nezal made this comment about Uval Yoimer Shochein Cholisi. Paragraph 208. Rabbi Nezal said, Originally, and again, note, we just read this yesterday. Yesterday we read Parshas Bereshis, Shabbos Bereshis. Rabbi Nezal said, in the beginning, the world was toihu, complete emptiness. And afterwards, Hashem went ahead in creation. And Rabbi Nezal said, we have to, exp-, Rabbi Nezal writes, we have to explain in what context this came up. And Reb Nachman Shirin, who organized the Chaim Aran, writes <coughs> that Reb Nachman said, I heard that, that he heard, I believe that Reb Nachman Shirin heard from Reb Naftali Zal that he was once <coughs> with Rabbi Nezal <coughs> and the Trovet Samagid, who was one of the close students and followers of Rabbi Nezal, <coughs> asked two questions. He said, I have two questions. Question number one, why, when Rabbi Nezal came to Uman, why did he first move into the house of this Reb Nachman Nassim, who was a known maskil, you know, a, a, one of the founders of the reform movement in, in Ukraine? And only afterwards did he change and go into the house of Rabbi Yosef Shmuel, who was a religious person. Because it would seem that Rabbi Nezal should have gone right away into the house of a religious person. Why first go there? And the second question is, why is he being makare, these maskilim, these people who are anti-religious and people who are so far from Yiddishkeit? And Rabbi Nezal answered him, <coughs> Rabbi Nezal said, your first question is an old, old question. The question is, why when Hashem created the world that he first created as complete darkness and emptiness and only afterwards went ahead with creation? Hashem could have started right away with, with creation, to create the world with all with everything in it. And the second question, Rabbi Nezal said also, isn't really a question. And he said sort of half-jokingly, half-realistically, half he said that tzaddikim aren't coming close to me, so I have to be makar of the Rishoyim and the people who aren't that religious and maybe I'll succeed in making them into real religious people. And Rav Nassar writes, the truth is, these maskilim, after Rav Nassar passed away, which is, he was only there for about five months, they said very clearly, they admitted very clearly that had Rav Nassar lived a little bit longer, they definitely would have done complete tshuva. And Rav Nachman Shirin writes, I heard also from Rav Tolizal that he once asked Rav Nezal this question. <clears throat> he said, what do these people, how do these people have any shaykhs to you? These people who are not religious, not just not religious, but they're anti-religious, how do they have any connection to you? He asked this to Rav Nezal. Since they're so far from holiness, 
And Rabbein Azal responded to him, and he said to him, and, and, and what's your connection to me? What's your closeness to me? You're like, you plural, he said. This referring, I believe he was referring to Rabbein Azal and Rabbein Azal said. He said, you're like feathers on a coat, that as soon as somebody blows on it, the feathers go flying off. And this was a, a very powerful statement in, in terms of sometimes people think, a person can think that the Mishnah says in Pirkeovois, that a Jew isn't allowed to be overconfident and think, I'm from, I'm religious, I've been religious my whole life, or a person who did tshuva and I'm, I'm already 20 years about tshuva, that kind of thing. And a person doesn't know, Rahman al-Islam, that if the Satan ever decides to make a project out of a person, person doesn't know what could happen. We know the Gemara says that there were Tanoim and Amoiroim that at one point made a statement, Gira de Sitna, I spit in the face of the Satan, meaning I'm not afraid of him. And the Gemara says shortly afterwards, they were given a test of, and the Satan showed them that they almost failed. And he said, watch it, don't tease me. Don't ever think that... And, and he said, it's only because in heaven they consider you such a big tzaddik that I'm not, I'm not pushing you over the cliff. Implying that no one, no one can be sure, can be 100% positive and confident and, and feel that I deserve to be close to Hashem. I deserve to be close to the tzaddik. I'm a real from person. And that other person is Balchuva, or that other person is not religious, or, or just a drop of Yiddishkeit. We know that the Gemara describes this world as topsy-turvy, upside down. Sometimes it could look to us as if a person is mamish, a tremendous tzaddik, and we could find out afterwards, unfortunately, that it's not the case. It's far from that. Cases that people have seen, actually seen. And then the reverse also. Sometimes there are people who appear to be very simple and nothing, and a person doesn't know that the nachas that Hashem gets from that person could be far greater than, than what other people who seem to be much holier can generate. We know the story with Rabbein Zal, that Rab Zal, Rab Zal, were once waiting to go see him, and they're waiting and waiting in an outer room, and they're wondering who's in there for such a long time. And then after a while, a person came out, and he was one of the very, very simple people in the city. And they looked at each other shocked, like, what could he have been doing in there so long, speaking to Rabbein Why would Rabbein spend so much time with him? And when they came in, Rabbein said, did you see that person who just left here? They said, yeah. He said, he's a nichnas v'yotza b'shalom. Rabbein used the wording that the Gemara uses about Rabbi Akiva, when the Gemara speaks about that there were four great tzaddikim, four rabbis of the Gemara that went to a very, very high place, to a very, very high level. And the Gemara says three of them were hurt in the process, were damaged in the process. Acher became an apikoiris. One of them, the light, the light blinded him and he lost his faith in Hashem. The other one, another one passed away. He died. And the third one, he couldn't, he couldn't put into words what he saw, and when he would speak, people thought he was crazy. They couldn't understand what he was saying. They thought he lost his mind. And the Gemara says that it was only Rabbi Akiva who was nichnas v'yotza b'sholoin, who entered and left in peace, meaning he was completely successful. He wasn't harmed in any way. He only benefited from this incredible experience. So Rabbein Azal used this wording about that simple person, so Rav Nassim Zal, looked shocked. Are you saying he's Rabbi? And Rabbi Nassim added with a smile, in his madrega, from what Hashem's expectations are of him, he's 110. He's not a 10, he's a 15. You know, the way they say, this person's a 10, meaning perfect. He's not a 10, he's a 15. So here again, we don't know, we don't see. And Rabbi Nassim wanted to, to make it clear that they're commenting about why Rabbein Azal has a shaykhaz to, to, to these other people, no one knows, no one knows. We find Rabbein Azal, first of all, Rabbein Azal writes in Likut Imran that a true tzaddik is one who addresses all levels of Klal Yisrael. 
he has to be able to show the people who are most advanced that they still don't know a lot. There's a lot that they still don't know. And he has to show the people that feel very far from Hashem that Hashem is really very close to them and that they, they definitely are connected to Hashem. And Rabbein Azal said, if a, if a tzaddik doesn't have both of these abilities, he's not a tzaddik klal. Now, the word klal can mean two things. The word klal means at all. He's not a tzaddik at all. So one of the leading rabbis in Breslov in the previous generation, Rebbe Chanan Spector, said that's not really what Rabbein Azal means here. He means enoi tzaddik klal. He's not a tzaddik for the public. Klal means the public. There are tzaddikim, there's a person who's a Rosh Yeshiva, a Magachir, he has his 20 students or his 100 students whom he's able to lead and guide. But that this person should go into a completely different environment and be able to help those people, different world, can't. It's not his thing, it's not his world. And vice versa. There are people who are involved in outreach and put him in, in one of the most advanced koilalim and tell him to give a shear there, he doesn't know where to begin, he doesn't know how to start. And Rabbein Azal said, the true tzaddik is the one who is able to reach both of these. We know that we say in the morning in Vayivarech David, we say, Lecho Hashem ha-gedula, v'ha-gvura, v'ha-tiferes, v'ha-neitzach, v'ha-hoid. And then afterwards it should say, v'ha-yesoid. The next one should be yesoid. And then it says, which is Malchus. Where's the Yesoid? So the Sifrei Kabbalah tell us the words Ki Choyl is Bigematria Yesoid. Ki Choyl Bashomayim Uvaoretz. That the Midah of Yesoid, the Tzadik, who is called Yesoid, Tzadik Yesoid Oilam, he is Bashomayim Uvaoretz. He's able to reach the people who are most advanced. And he's able to reach the people who are furthest away from Hashem and bring them close. Moshe Rabbeinu was able to be Makariv Yisroi, the one who worshipped all the Avodah Zoras in the world. He was able to be Makariv them, him. He was able to be Makariv the Jews when they reached minus 49. They reached the lowest, lowest level in Mitzrayim. He was able to bring them back being, and bring them to a level of Dordea a level higher than Tanoim, higher than Rabbis of the Gemara, that they were able to be at standing at Har Sinai, ponim beponim dibar Hashem So here Rabbi Nezal was was making a comment for, for everyone to be alert, that no one should feel so secure that I don't have to be afraid. I'm committed, I'm 100% committed, I've been religious my whole life, I don't have to worry. All of us, the Mishnah says clearly to all of us, there was once an occasion where Rav Enazal said to Rav Nosanzal, I believe he said again to both of them, Rav Nosanzal, he said jokingly, wow, I, 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 was, I tricked you guys into the sack. There's an expression, to trick someone into the sack. I got you into the sack, like I, I caught you. So Rav Nosanzal thought for a moment, and he said, Rebbe, please tie it up real tight, so we shouldn't fall out, we shouldn't get out. Understanding, because again, during Rabbi Nezal's life, we know that there was, there was opposition, there was opposition, there was conflict, just like during the time of Moshe Rabbeinu, just like during the time of other great tzaddikim. And, and no one, no one can be, can be sure of themselves. A person always has to be mispalel every single day to come close to Hashem, to come close to the tzaddikim. Any questions? The next paragraph, Reish Test 209, Rabbein said, these people, referring again to these maskilim, these people who are very, very far from Yiddishkeit, who come into me, who come in to see me, they're already experiencing major regrets, major regrets about being distant from Hashem and about the sins they committed, etc. And yet, Rabbi Nezal said, they have no idea at all what regret really is. They have no idea what charata really is. And, and Rabbi Nezal says, as we find Rabbi Nezal speaks about this in Sichoi Saran, in Rabbi Nachman's Wisdom, paragraph 10, there, Rabbi Nezal speaks about this, and he says that Rishoim are mole charotois, people who go, who 
live lives of evil, committing all kinds of sin. They're full of regrets. And at the same time, they have no idea at all what charoto really is, what regret really is. And Rabbi Nassau pointed out that these people, these Rishon, criminals, people like that, people are doing bad things, when you see them go to a new level of, of crime, a new level of rishis, that's actually coming from a place of charoto, meaning the person was on a certain level doing bad things, they feel bad about it a little bit. Feeling bad about it, in a sense, is a form of tshuva. When a person expresses regret for what they did, that's a form of tshuva. A person does tshuva, they get to a new level. They have a new Yetzirah. They have a more powerful Yetzirah. And that new Yetzirah drives them, pushes them further down, pushes them to, to do more crime. So they don't, it's not like they get out of it. They have these regrets, but they don't, they don't come out of it. Just like in one of the stories in Sipurim Isis, Rabbein Nezal told about a prince and a pauper that got switched, and then at one point the, the one who's really the prince gets exiled, and, and he feels terrible. What did I do wrong? What did I do to deserve this? And he starts drinking and other things and everything, and then at one point he starts thinking to himself, what am I doing? What am I doing? And, and, but... but but he's, he goes back to the drinking. We know that by Paroi, it says that Paroi had a dream, and in his dream he saw, he saw a vision, an incredible vision. He saw seven fat cows, seven skinny cows. He saw something extraordinary. What did he do? He went back to sleep. And there are Mephoshim that point this out, that there are people sometimes who Hashem shows them something special, Hashem shows them a sign because the fact is, Rabbi Nezal says in the every single day, every single person in the world is getting messages from Hashem. Hashem is sending messages to each and every person in every location to hint to us to come close to Him, that Hashem wants us to come close to Him. But a person has to be zoicha, number one, to see the message and to act on it, and to act on it. The Pesach says in the beginning of Parshas Yisroi, Vayishma Yisroi Koyen Midyon, that Yisroi heard about the battle against Baramolek and about the battle of, of, about Kriyas Yamsuf, and he came. He left his home to come and join the Jewish people. So the, the Medrash points out, everyone heard. It says, Shamu Amemir Gozun. Nations heard about this and they trembled. They heard about it, they trembled, and they stayed home. Yisroi heard about it, and he came running. He came running. person needs a special schus that when Hashem reaches out to us, when Hashem shows us, gives us a message for the person to jump, to act on it, to be able to get the, the benefit from it. Now, Rav Zal says that while we, paragraph 210, while we were in Uman, Rabbein Azal spoke to me about the trip when we left the city of Breslov, traveling to Uman, and he said that there's a path going from, from a house outside and, from, and uh, leaving the house and going outside, and then from there going to a mountain, and from there going via the small river and a bridge, and from there to the house of Reb Shimon. Rabbein Azal was reviewing what, what had brought him to Uman that on a Friday night there was a fire, a big fire, and Rabbeinazal had to run out of his house and, and, and make this, this journey where he went to, he, he walked to a place, a mountain, across a river there, a, a small river, and then afterwards they took him to the house of Reb Shimon, which had not been affected by the fire, on, which was on one end of the city, and then from there afterwards, after Shabbos, they ended up taking him to the house of Reb Zelig, which was on the other end of the city of Breslov, and then from there to Uman. And, and Rav Nassazal points out, because when that fire broke out, <clears throat> suddenly there was a, people screaming that there's a fire, and Rav Nassazal was sitting in his home at the time, on Friday night, and Rav Nassazal was speaking, and he made a statement. He said, I don't know anything at all. I know nothing. And as he was saying these words and brought, he said, I swear by Shabbos Kodesh that I don't know anything at all. 
And then suddenly there was screaming fire, fire. A fire had broken out in the city of Breslov. And then Rabbi Nezal said, Shoin, shoin. Shoin, shoin means, okay, okay, already. Implying that he understood that this was a message. This was a message that he would have to leave the city of Breslov and he would have to prepare for his passing away. That leaving Breslov meant going to Uman where he would pass away several months later. And Rabbi Nezal immediately ran out of his house and ran near the shul. And over there, they brought him some kind of garments with, with skins so he shouldn't get, get cold because Rabbi Nezal at that time was very weak from the sickness. And then afterwards, he crossed a small river there on foot in the water and went up on a mountain on the other side and sat there and was watching the fire, watching as as homes burnt down until his own house burnt down. And the Sifrei Torah that they succeeded in getting out of the shul and out of the Beis Medrash were lying next to him. And, and also other people who had succeeded in running away, escaping from the fire. And Rav Nassar writes that we succeeded in, in saving everything that was in his house, getting everything out of his house at the time. Nothing was left there. And then Early in the morning, Rabbi Nassim says, I came to him, and Rabbi Nassim was sitting there, besimcha, and he was looking at the city, looking at his house that had been destroyed, and then afterwards, I took him to a house at the edge of the, edge of the city, which had not been affected by the fire. This, I believe, was the house of this Rabbi Shimon. And then Rabbi Nassim went with me <coughs> near a little river by the field, and Rabbi Nezal said, who would have thought, who would have thought that now on Friday night, at this time close to morning, we'd be walking here near in this river near the field. And then we arrived at the house of Reb Shimon, and Rabbi Nezal spent the whole Shabbos there. And on Sunday he left there and went to the house of this Reb Zelig, where he stayed, which was at the other end of the city, and he stayed there throughout Sunday, until word arrived from Uman, a messenger arrived from Uman, that the people there were waiting for his arrival. And this messenger came at a time when Rabbi Nezal was in this kind of situation, not in his own house, all of his possessions are strewn all about, you know, in this place where he is. And when the word came that he should come to Uman, Rabbi Nezal says, I was standing there at the time, and Rabbi Nezal was like shocked. He was very surprised, and his face turned flushed. Again, Rabbi Nezal says, we didn't know at the time that Rabbi Nezal understood that this was all preparation for his passing away. And then on Tuesday is when Rabbi Nezal left for the city of Uman. And, and went, while they were in Uman, Rabbi Nezal discussed this, what had, what had happened that night, all the events, <clears throat> that there's a path, etc., and we find that in one of the stories in Sipurim Isis, in the story of the Baltfila, the master of prayer, Rabbi Nezal speaks there about a king, and this king had a map. And on this, <coughs> he said this king had a special hand that was like a map. And the lines on the hand were all the different roads and directions that lead to all kinds of different paths. And Rabbi Nezal said, there's a path that leads from one city to another, there's a path that leads from here to heaven, and all of these paths were on this map, which is on the, in the palm of the hand of a person. So Rabbi Nezal said that this path that we took is also definitely on that map, on that hand. Rabbi Nezal writes, Ashrei to the person who will be zerched to understand this in the future when Mashiach comes. Because regarding Rabbi Nezal's travels, there are incredible secrets regarding every single step that he took. And especially this final trip when he left Breslau to go to Uman <coughs> to pass away there. Where, where we know that there were many, many deep things related to every aspect of the trip <coughs> and, and all the different circumstances that led up to his passing away in, in Uman and being buried especially in, in that cemetery.
Any questions, please? From the four, um, even someone who is an Abed Hashem, if they don't do only have the charata, is it also like, so to speak, dangerous for them? You know, they're they're an Abed Hashem. They're trying to be an Abed Hashem. Is the is the charata chain thing? If they only have the charata ah. and they don't complete the rest of their shiva. The, the answer is, it's, it's an issue. It's an issue. A person who's trying to serve Hashem and they realize they made a mistake and, and they, they, they realize it and they feel a little bit of regret but they don't do anything about it, it's a problem. It's a problem. Because uh, when a person is experiencing, there's definitely a value to it. Just any, any iota of regret has a certain value. But a person needs to know that Vayishma Yisroi, that, that when a person's feeling that, act on it. Do something right away. It's interesting. It's written about Rabbeinazal that there are times that he would be walking and he would stop and speak and give, give a whole Dvar Torah and he wouldn't move. While he was saying the Dvar Torah, he wouldn't move. He would stay in that place. And then he would go further. And he mentioned that whenever a person gets any kind of a hero or tshuva, whenever a person experiences any kind of regret when they're in a certain place, the person should try to do something, do some kind of a mitzvah or say some kind of a tefillah at that moment. Because sometimes you never know, you, you move out of that place or the time changes, five minutes go by, he loses it. He's got to try to clinch it, to lock it in when he experiences that, that feeling. Anyone else? Now, paragraph 211, Rabbi Nelson says that when Rabbi Nezal first came into the city of Uman, one of the people that was living there that was a, a student a little bit close to Rabbi Nezal came and he was sort of apologizing on behalf of some of the people. He said the people in the shul here are, are, feel apologetic that they didn't come to say hello, they didn't come to greet the new Rebbe who came to the city. And he started making excuses for them, giving excuses as to why they didn't come. Rabbi Nezal looked and he commented and he said, new Hasidim I'm not looking for. I'm not looking for new members. If the people who have been close to me in the past, if they will be religious, if they'll really be religious, you know, the." I'm happy, excellent. And if not, then I'm also enough for the world. If not, I alone am enough. This is similar to what the Gemara says that Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechoi once made a statement where he said that if there's a certain number of tzaddikim in the world, fine. If not, then it's my son and I. And if not, I alone am also enough. There's a pasuk vitzadik yisoidoylam, singular, that an individual tzadik can be a foundation for the entire world. There's the, this is related to a story in the Zohar Kodesh. We mentioned it, I believe, not long ago, that the Zohar Kodesh says that one time Rabbi Shimon and his son went outside and they saw it suddenly turn dark and they realized something was up. So they saw a malach and they asked him, what are you doing here? And he said, I was sent to destroy the world because if there aren't a certain minimum number of tzaddikim in the world, then the world doesn't deserve to exist. So Reb Shimon said to him, mission canceled. Go home. The malach left, goes up to heaven, and Hashem says, what are you doing here? Did I told you to destroy the world. He said, yes, I met Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechoi, and he told me to leave. Hashem says, I'm telling you, go back down, you go do your mission. Comes back down, and the Zohar Kodesh says again, he meets Rabbi Shimon, and Rabbi Shimon says, this time, I'm going to be much more serious with you. This time, I'm going to warn you that if you don't leave, what happened to the other malachim who came down here and couldn't get back up is going to happen to you. You're not going to be able to get back up. So leave. And Rabbi Shimon explained, there's a certain requirement of a certain number of tzaddikim, 30 tzaddikim, you say, but there's, a, there's another passage that says, Al pishnayim o'ishloisho edim yokum dovor. 
that that dover a dover can stand on two, and and dover the world is called dover. <coughs> so so my son and I could also be enough arishus. And he mentioned the story with the the negotiation that Avram Avinu had that if there are even ten tzaddikim in the world, that should be enough to keep the the world around. And he said, if not, we have this And he said, if, if that's not perfect, then my zechus alone is enough to support the world. As the Pesach says, v'tzadik yesoi do'ilam. And the Zohar Kodesh says, a baskoil came out from heaven and said, ashrecho rebi shimoin, that it's about you, that the Pesach says, ritzoin yereyov yaseh that Hashem fulfills the will of those who respect Him, that Hashem makes a and Hashem gives you the ability to override it, to be mavat of gzera. Any questions? Paragraph 212. After Shavuos, when Rabbi Nezal went into the house of this Rabbi Yosef Shmuel, who was a, a religious person, and there they had to they, they rented the house. Rabbi Nezal started a discussion in Torah, and he didn't finish it. And Rabbi Nezal says, I wasn't there at the time, but I heard that he was speaking about Mefursomim Shel Sheker. He was speaking about certain people who become famous, they become famous as if they're leaders, <coughs> tzaddikim, and, and they're not true leaders. And Rabbi Nezal said, <coughs> regarding their fame, the Pesach says, V'shem Elohim Acherem Saskiru, that we should not mention the names of idols. And Rabbi Nezal said, on the other hand, there are true tzaddikim, whose fame is very hidden. Their greatness is very hidden. They don't have people, don't know about them at all. <coughs> and that's related to the Pasuk, Ze Shmi Laoilam, Veze Zichri This is this Pasuk appears in the beginning of Chumishmois, where Hashem is saying about all the all the plagues he's gonna inflict on the Egyptians. And Hashem says, This is my name eternally. And this is how I will be known from generation to generation. So the, the Zohar Kodesh says, the word la'olam is written without a vav. Zeshmi la'olam. This is my name, which is hidden. La'olam means hidden. We know that Hashem's true name, yud ke vav ke, the actual name of Hashem, is hidden. We're not allowed to pronounce it. We don't pronounce it the way it's actually written. We pronounce it completely different, as if it were written Aleph Dalit Nun Yud. So Rabbi Nezal pointed out that we have these two extremes. We have sometimes people who are famous and, 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 and well-known and, and achieve all kinds of recognition, and unfortunately it's not, it's not real, it's not Emes, it's Sheker, and about them, the Pesach says, the shame of the Kmachem, that they should not be glorified, they should not be mentioned. And then there are true tzaddikim sometimes who are hidden, who are very hidden. Just like Hashem is hidden in this world. Just like we find that Hashem's true name is not, is not pronounced in this world. Paragraph 213. During the time that Rav Enzal was in Uman, he once commented to Rav Naftali Zal, who knows what we did here in Uman in the past, in a sense, that now we have, to, we have to be here, we have to be so involved here, because it seems that we cannot leave here. They've grabbed us here, and they don't want to let us leave here. This is what Rav Enzal said about Uman. And it's interesting to note, even though Rabbi Nezal himself did not spend that much time there, meaning he lived the last months of his life there, and he passed away there and was buried there, but now it's 200 years later, just about, and still Oman is world famous. <laughs> Thousands of people from all over the world going there to, to connect with Rabbi Nezal. 
<coughs> and and in, in today's times, this major war between Russia and Ukraine, and just recently they mentioned on the news, they mentioned that, that Russia was bombing Ukraine and trying to blow out power stations. And just yesterday, I believe it was, on Shabbos or on Erev Shabbos, they hit a power station that affects Uman. And there were blackouts over there. And again, Uman mentioned this little town, this little nothing being mentioned on the news, that there's a blackout in, in, this, in this city of Uman, struggling to, to restore the power, restore the electricity. But it seems Rabbein Azal made this comment that, that we're not leaving here, we're here to stay, that this, this Uman is going to be on the map for a long time. Halavai Moshiach should come already <coughs> and put an end to all the, all the turbulence, all the wrong kind of turbulence. Any questions? Paragraph 214. When Rabbi Nezal had this sickness, this tuberculosis, which he ended up passing away from, he once commented to the Travet Samagid, and he said, if, if people would know how much they need me, they would fall on their faces and beg Hashem, plead with Hashem, that I should have a refuah shalema, that I should return to my, my, my health should be restored. Because the entire world needs me very, very much to the point where they cannot exist without me. These were the words that Rabbi Nezal said. Now, there are, we've mentioned this in the past. There are people that hear this and say, how can somebody say this about themselves? Isn't this Gaiva Chas V'Shalom or something like that? And we've mentioned many times that we find in the Gemara, in the Zohar Kodesh, statements where tzaddikim made statements about themselves. And, and one of the reasons is because if they wouldn't tell us, we wouldn't know. If they wouldn't tell us how important they are, we wouldn't know. We wouldn't realize how important they are. We wouldn't know how to, how to cherish them and how, how critical it is, our connection to these tzaddikim. Moshe Rabbeinu had to write in the Torah and the other examples that we find in the Gemara, in the Zohar Kodesh. Does that still apply today? It still applies. If it's not for him and his teachings right now, there'd be no way that the world could stand, that people think that people even though he's not alive anymore? It would seem so. It would seem yes. A question, does this still apply today? <coughs> that were it not for Rabbein how much the world needs him? It seems yes, because it seems more and more. I remember Rabbi Aryeh Kaplan, Zechron of Racha, who was one of the people who translated the first one of Rabbi Nachman's forum into English. And he writes that it's almost 200 years since, since his passing. And we see today, more than ever before, the relevance of his teachings. How, based on the problems and the struggles that are going on in today's generation, People need these teachings now more than ever before. And, and we see it. Unfortunately, we see it around us. Paragraph Reish Tesvav 2.15 On the night of Shabbos Nachmu, Shabbos Nachmu comes right after Tishabov <coughs> in the city of Uman, right after Rabbi Nezal made Kiddush, he gave a whole shir, a whole Torah, about pshitus, about simplicity, how even a tzaddik, even a Talmud Chacham, we know that the Torah is referred to as life. The Torah is called life. Ki hu chayecha If we talk about breathing, we know a person, if a person stops breathing for three, four minutes, they're dead, finished. <clears throat> So the question is, how is it that even the greatest Hamidah Chachamim, the greatest Tzadikim, sometimes must take a break from Torah? They have to sleep. They have to do other things sometimes. How do they exist if they're disconnecting from the Torah, seemingly? And Rabbi Nassau gave an incredible, incredible shear on this topic, how this is necessary. Hashem created the world specifically like this, that even the greatest Tzadik has to take a break so in order to be able and so during that break what's keeping him alive 
The answer is he's connecting to the chesed that the world existed on before Matan Torah. We know the Torah wasn't given the moment Hashem created the world. There were 26 generations before Matan Torah. How did the world exist if the world cannot exist without Torah? The answer is that there is this Oitzar Matnas Chinam. gave a fantastic shear on that topic. And, and he spoke about the fact that there are times when even he is an ishposhit, prostak in Yiddish it's called. Prostak means simple, simple person. The, the opposite of a Talmud Chacham, the opposite of a person who's obviously connected to the Torah. And Rabbi Nezal said that during those times he sustains himself with his trip to Eretz Yisrael, with his, the trip that he made to Eretz Yisrael. And he explained that he went into a whole discussion about the derech to Eretz Yisrael and about derech Eretz, the term derech Eretz, which means livelihood, earning a livelihood. When a person leaves the Beis Medrash, they leave the connection to the Torah in order to earn a livelihood. So, and and Rabbi Nassau, when he when he was giving that shir, he said at one point, I don't, that when I go into this state of prostak, I don't know anything at all. And he swore, he said, I swear by Shabbos Kodesh that I don't know anything at all. Meaning that he was able to clear the registers completely, completely, to be like a newborn baby, starting from scratch, from nothing. And then afterwards, Rabbi Nezal commented that I'm, I'm frum and freilich, which means... I feel a, a deep yira, and I'm very happy at the same time. Like the Pesach says, Vigilu bira'ada, rejoice with trembling. And then Rabbi Nezal said how lucky we are that Hashem was so good to us that we're to be members of the Jewish nation, we're to be part of the holy Jewish nation. And he said he feels incredible, incredible joy over the fact that he was to be in Eretz Yisrael. Because when he wanted to go to Eretz Yisrael, there were tremendous, tremendous obstacles at the time, and there was and there was so many bilbulim and so many different, so much confusion about it whether to make the trip or not. There was a war going on at the time near near Eretz Yisrael, and he didn't have money for the trip. All kinds of difficulties, and Rabbi Nezal said, Hashem helped me that I was to jump over all the obstacles. And I was zeichet to accomplish the mission, to full, to complete the mission. I was zeichet to get Teretz Yisrael. And Rabbi Nezal said, "This I believe, and I know very, very well that every single move, and every thought, and every action that a person does in order to complete a mitzvah, in order to complete something of kedusha, people want to build a shul, or a person wants to come to Teretz Yisrael, whatever it is." Every single detail that's involved in making that happen, every thought, every move, every action, <clears throat> nothing goes lost. All of it is registered by Hashem. And Hashem credits it to the person, to the person involved. Ashrei to that person who is to overcome the obstacles. Because usually the Gemara says that Eretz Yisrael, Torah, and Olam Haba are acquired through Yisurim which means they don't come easy. There's struggles, there's difficulties, there's obstacles, there's bilbulim, there's confusion, all of these things. And Rabbi Nezal said, Ashrei to the person who zeichet to overcome all of these obstacles and complete the mission and be zeichet to accomplish something good in Yiddishkeit, whether it's getting Teres Yisrael, whether it's getting married, anything important that a person wants to achieve in Yiddishkeit. And Rabbi Nassau was in tremendous simcha at the time. And he, he, he got angry at Rabbi Naftali Zal a little bit. He, that he asked Rabbi Naftali Zal to sing, and Rabbi, Zal was, and Rabbi Naftali Zal was shy a little. And he said, what are, you, what are you embarrassed about? What are you ashamed of? The whole world was created for us. He said in Yiddish, Vos and what do we have to be ashamed of? The, the, the whole world was created for us. And he was in tremendous simcha at the time. We'll just do one more short paragraph and then we'll take closing questions. This is tied into what we started today's share with.
We spoke about melitza, about the ability, some people have the ability to say something in a poetic way or in a very eloquent way where it affects the people that are listening much, much more than if you just say it as a regular statement. Want to say that a person, this person died. People hear it and they thought, no, no, nothing happens. People go into a funeral home and somebody gets up and makes a speech and they describe how special this person was and how they died and what happened. And you see all the people there in tears. This koyach of melitza. Melitza means the ability to be, to be able to say things in such a way that's very, very effective. Or a good lawyer. person comes into court and he did terrible crimes and you figure, finished. No chance that this person is going to go free. And a lawyer comes there and the lawyer presents this, this, this whole situation in such a way that, that the judge is in tears. The judge wants to know, what can I do to help this criminal? So now Rabbi Nezal commented, this is paragraph 216, regarding the Chachma of Shir and Malitza, which means music, song, and also this concept of poetry, like poetry rhymes, which is called Fazi, pose. Pose, in English the word I believe is pose, P-O-S-E, and in, 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 in Yiddish it was called Fazi at the time. And Rabbi Nassau made a comment, the word fazi means pose, and in Yiddish, the word fazi can be two words, fa-zi. Fa means when a person says something is disgusting. Zi is her. Disgusting, her. And Rabbi Nassau said, any person who cannot realize how disgusting it is for a person to commit sins of pigama bris, for a person to show disloyalty, disrespect to Hashem by committing sins between men and women, that person cannot sing. That person cannot have this koyach of malitza, this koyach of shir. That person doesn't have this fazi, this pose. Because there's a posuk, roye zoinois yoivad choin, that a person who mixes with illicit women, loses his hoin. Hoin means, hoin can mean several things. Hoin means wealth. And the Gemara says, Al-tikri, there's another pasuk which says, Kabed es Hashem mehoincha. Show respect to Hashem from your wealth. And the Gemara says, Al-tikri mehoincha ela migroincha. The Gemara makes again like a rhyme. A rhyme. Don't call it hoincha, call it groincha. That, that, that show respect to Hashem from your throat. How? By singing Zmirois, by singing Tashem, by praising Hashem. So Rabbi Nezal said again that Royezai, a person who commits Pigama Bris, a person who, who doesn't realize Fazi, that this is disgusting. The Torah calls this Toyeva, a person who is not loyal to their own wife or, or pure in this area of Tikana Bris. So Rabbi Nezal said, a person who can't, who isn't on this madrega fezi, then that person doesn't have pose, doesn't have the, the holy madrega of so holy song and, 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 and uh, this koyach malitza, this holy koyach malitza. Any questions? There were many cases like this where Abenazal showed we know that words are very powerful. And in language, in Lush and Kodesh, there are certain words that have double meaning, different things. And there's sometimes we know the Gemara has the 13 formulas, where because a word, a similar word is used in two different places, that makes a connection between the two. We learn all kinds of important laws and details from, from the way the word is. And here, Rabbein Azal showed that this term pose, fazi, which was a term known at the time, that in order for a person to be zoicha, to have the koya chanegina, the right kind of song, and the, and the, the power, the proper power of malitza, it requires purity in tikkun abris. Any questions? Which uh, Torah is this, is this taught in the Does it mention the power of the voice? The answer is... A question which chapter in Likutei Moran is yeah. related to this, 
The answer is chapter 3 in Likut Imran. All the way towards the beginning of Likut Imran, Rabbein has a deep Torah that he said in his early years, before he came to Breslov, and there's a whole story behind that Torah, that there was a custom in those days that when there was a Shalom Zohar, when there was a Shalom Zohar, the chazan of the city was supposed to show up and he was supposed to sing, to perform there. And the chazan, Rabbein was at a Shalom Zohar of, a, of one of his students, a poor person, and they asked the chazan to sing, and he didn't want to. He showed disrespect by refusing. And he said, I don't have a voice. I don't have a voice. You know. So Rabbein said, he doesn't have a voice. I'll give him a voice. And a whole incredible story that unraveled afterwards that they found out that this person was not pure in Tikkun you know, That's one of the places where Abenazal makes the connection. Sure, question. <coughs> is this why the Tikkun for Pegama Bris is Tehillim? The answer is it seems yes. It seems definitely yes that, that Rabbeinazal prescribed one of the greatest things that can help purify a person from any sins in this area of Pegama Bris is reciting Tehillim. And at first, when Rabbeinazal spoke about this, he said any ten chapters of Tehillim, but then afterwards he revealed ten special chapters, the Tikkun HaKloli, which he said this is a major, major Tikkun, a major repair for any sins in this area. Yashikoyach. Wishing everybody a wonderful week. Tomorrow is Erev Rosh Chodesh, and then we have two days of Rosh Chodesh. Tomorrow is Yom Kippur Koton, which is a special day of Tshuva. I hope to go to Miron tomorrow for Yom Kippur Koton. I hope to have to be a good shliach for all of us. Shem should answer all of our tefillahs. We should be zoicha to Yeshua's, all the Yeshua's that all of us need. Amen.